Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva, and I hope everyone had a really nice weekend. I I did something I haven't done in a long, long, long time. I stayed out till after 3 a.m. Now, technically, I wasn't out-out. I was at someone's house for those early morning hours, but I was out of my own house. I was out of my own bed. I was out of my own coma, cannabis-induced stupor that I put myself in every night to be able to fall asleep. I was out. A bitch was out. And I'm low-key so proud of myself. It's so funny how your goals are so different depending on where you are in life. Like if you're in a phase where you're going out and you're partying all the time, then your goal is probably like, oh my God, just stay home, just stay home on a Saturday night. Whereas when you are so antisocial and I mean, let's be real here. I'm not actually antisocial. And I mean, am I kind of introverted? Yes. But really the bigger thing at play, I think, is low-grade depression and disordered eating that kind of keeps me in the house so much more than I want to be and so much more than I think my soul wants to be. I think I am so much happier when I go out just a little bit, just like once a week when I just do something social, right? So I'm just so proud of myself for having left the house, coming on to something. I went to this event for work. I mean, it's coming full circle, right? I didn't even leave the house to socialize. Technically, it was a work-related thing that I was at, but um, but yeah, I went out and it was kind of far away. And it was in Westchester to be specific. So if you're from New York, you understand that's, I mean, that's a trek. I left the city technically. Sam, can you please relax? Mommy is recording a podcast. Anyway, so that was on Saturday. I had to leave the I had to leave my apartment at 2 p.m. go to someone who I work with's place. We took a car up to Westchester. We had the show, whatever, and then after the show took the car back, I went to their place and changed into their sweatpants and was standing on top of the couch singing and dancing like a psycho until 3 a.m. when <laughs> 2.55 precisely is when I left. They got me an Uber and I got home after 3 a.m. I then stayed up till past 5 a.m. watching Parks and Rec from the beginning, a show that I've watched no fewer than 600 times. The way that I probably have the entire script memorized, like I could perform it for you right now and quite frankly, that could be better than the show that I planned for you. So just an idea, something to keep in mind. Maybe it's something I should do. And ate an entire block of tofu and a million salt and vinegar chips dipped into yogurt. If you know, you know, which was great, except coconut yogurt is really heavy. It's a lot of saturated fat. And it was just, and my tummy was so uncomfortable. And then after 5 a.m. is when I decided to go to bed like some kind of fucking psycho. Literally, the sun was coming up. And Sunday proceeded to be absolute hell for me. I just sat in front of the TV and ate all day, which was cool. Oh, I did make Ozzy a card. It's so cute. I handcrafted it and I wrote a note in it from Sam, the dog, that said, thank you so much for being such a good stepdad to me. And then I gave him the card from Sam. It was so cute. So yeah, that's kind of what went on for me. And also happy Juneteenth. How wild is it that mm, the Civil War ended, what, 150-ish years ago? You know, we know that I'm not good at time math. I also not so knowledgeable in history, but that's neither here nor there. And we're just now acknowledging this as a public holiday. So that's cool for us. Anyway, um, yeah, overall, really good weekend. I'm trying to think if there's anything else interesting or fun that happened. Oh, just a complete random tip. Something you have to try if you're into mangoes. Buy mangoes. Buy them whole. Put them in the freezer. And then... After they're frozen, take it out, let it thaw enough that you can cut through it with a good knife. So just a few minutes and then eat it kind of in that frosty period. It is so fucking good and 
credit where credit's due. I learned this from Ozzy. Anyway, I'm still exhausted. I'm still recovering. I'm still, I mean, oof, it is, I, when I'm done with this, well, when I'm done with this, I have to do 25 hours of post-production. But when I'm done with that, I'm going to get in the sauna blanket and I'm going to schwitz some of that alcohol out because, yeah, it's not good for the body and it's not good for my mind. And, you know, I have such a good episode planned for you guys, such a good episode. And I really want to do this justice. So I am summoning all of the inner strength that is in me. I mean, this is like, a, you know, when a mother pulls a car off of a baby type situation, I'm getting superhuman strength to do this because my physical condition is weak right now <laughs> and just not not in the right space at all. Okay, moving right along. So I've talked about manifestation before on this podcast, right? And I've been pretty clear about the fact that I'm not 100% sure how legit I think it is. I mean, I don't know. There are times where I'm like, yeah, this makes complete sense. And there are other times where I'm like, well, but what about this? What about that? Now, one thing I know for a fact is I don't really believe in kind of mainstream law of attraction type stuff. So the whole, you know, visualize, uh, you know, getting a new BMW and then it'll show up at your doorstep. It doesn't, that doesn't, it just doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't sound believable. And even if I steer, hear a story here and there of something like that happening, I'm inclined to believe that it's coincidence and not an actual science that can be followed. And I don't know, maybe the fact that I spend 90% of my life in a full-on daydream. I mean, I'm not even joking. Up until a few years ago, I was so disassociated from reality that I spent 99% of my waking hours inside of a fucking daydream. And I can tell you only a very, very, very small percentage of the things that I would daydream about actually ended up happening. Now, some of them happened, but I mean, at some point, statistically, that's got to be the case, right? So I don't really fucking buy it. But I've talked about this brand before. Lacey Phillips has this brand called To Be Magnetic, and it's a different manifestation formula. And that I'm inclined to believe. Now, I'm not going to talk about all of the formula because it's their brand and their business, and I don't own the intellectual property to tell you exactly what they say. But the general gist of it, the premise of it is that we manifest from our subconscious beliefs and not our conscious thoughts. So law of attraction, kind of mainstream law of attraction says, oh, we manifest from the thing, you know, just think positive and it'll happen. Just visualize it happening and that'll happen. And Lacey Phillips and To Be Magnetic says, no, that's all bullshit. It's all about our subconscious beliefs. So if we subconsciously believe that we could have this thing, then we can have it. But if subconsciously we have some kind of doubt around it, then it's not going to happen. So if you are sitting here visualizing getting a new BMW dropped on your doorstep, now if you have reason to believe that that could happen for some reason, like maybe everyone you've ever met has had just cars appear on their doorsteps all the time, then you would think that that's just a normal thing in society and it probably could happen to you. But if you are living on planet Earth like the rest of us and don't really know anyone who just like randomly is stumbling into new cars, you know, licensed to them, registered to them in their driveways on mornings for no apparent reason, then it's probably not going to happen to you because you don't actually subconsciously believe that it could happen. Does that make sense? I think it tracks. I think it seems really reasonable. And it explains a lot of things that we see for. For example, oh, I wish I had the statistic of this, you know, I just wish I had it on hand. Could I look it up? Maybe. Should I look it up? Maybe. Hold on a four minute mile. Okay. So we used to believe that it was impossible for a human being to be able to run a mile in four minutes or less. We literally thought it was impossible. In 1954, Roger Bannister 
broke the four minute mile. He ran it in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. Okay, so someone did it. No one had done it up until now. Since 1954, the four minute barrier has been broken by 1,664 athletes. The next time it happened after Roger Bannister did it, I think was two months later. Hold on, let me see. Blah, blah, blah. 46 days after Bannister did it, someone else broke the four minute mile and it has now been broken thousands of times. Now, this, I think, illustrates TBM's whole thing very well. When people thought that it was impossible, it's very hard for that thing to happen. But once you see that it's possible, then everything changes. Now, it's a lot more nuanced with things that you're trying to call into your own life for yourself. Obviously, that's a whole separate situation. So I just want to acknowledge that. But that's kind of the premise of this brand and their manifestation formula and their manifestation model. Now, I've been very vocal about the fact that a lot of friends that I've made in the past few years have been through that community. And I have a very close friend, Caitlin, not Caitlin Bebb, who's been on the podcast before. This is a completely different Caitlin. And we talk about this stuff a lot. And the other day she sent me a voice memo and she said, I think the reason that I haven't manifested XYZ, I'm not going to say specifically what it is because I am using her real name and maybe she doesn't actually want to divulge this information. I don't know. Frankly, I should have asked, but that's neither here nor there. So she said she realized that the reason that she doesn't she hasn't manifested this thing yet is because on some level she doesn't actually want it because she's so afraid of losing it if it were to come. And when she said that, the wheels started turning for me and all of these things started coming in my head and we started workshopping this together and I said, "Wait, Caitlin, I think something just clicked for me. And she said, what? And I said, do you think that every time that someone is trying to manifest something and they haven't manifested it yet, it's because on some level they don't actually want it? Now, this may sound a little bit crazy and you might be like, fuck you, bitch. I do actually want it. I do actually want a million dollars. I do actually want a husband. I do actually want kids. I do actually want that house in the suburbs. I do actually want that apartment in Manhattan or whatever the fuck it may be. Okay, just hear me out because I think this is layered and I think this is complicated and I think there are different types of not actually wanting the thing. Specifically, I think there are three different buckets, three different categories where this could apply. The first is the most simple. It's that you don't actually want this thing on a soul level. Now, you might think that you want it. I mean, you definitely think that you want it, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't even be here. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) You think that you want it, but you don't actually want it on a soul level. Maybe you want it because you want the praise that you would get from other people. Maybe you want it because you want to impress other people. Maybe you want it because you have some other type of baggage going on. Maybe you think that this is the type of person that you are and the type of person that you think you are would want this type of thing, but you don't actually want it. And there are hundreds of thousands of examples of this. A really good one for me is I remember kind of, you know, back in 2017, 2018, dabbling with manifestation and writing down how I really wanted this big law job and I wanted it to be like this and like that. And I never manifested that because I didn't actually want that on a soul level. What I actually wanted on a soul level was a well-paying job. I wanted to feel fulfilled. I wanted to fit in And I lived in D.C. at the time. And, you know, you can't really fit in as like an artist or a creative or someone doing something outside of the nine to five realm at the time when I lived in D.C. and the community I was in. I wanted to make my parents proud. I wanted all those things, but I didn't actually want a big law job. I have a friend, Mike, who has been wanting to manifest 
a house in Brooklyn, right? This has been going on for years and years and years. And he would talk about it. He would make lists about the types of things that he wanted. And a little background, Mike is from Long Island, I want to say. So his family is close by. He's always kind of been in the city. He went to school in the city. He's worked in the city. All his friends are here. He thought he wanted to manifest a house in Brooklyn. But then a few months ago, something hit him like a fucking light bulb. I think he was in Miami for a trip. And yet this moment where he's like, holy shit I really want to move to Miami and it was terrifying to him because again he's been here his entire life his family's here his friends are from here etc but he had this moment where he realized no actually that's what I want and he instantly was able to find a place in Miami by the way he didn't buy but that's neither here nor there but he wasn't able to manifest that house in Brooklyn because that's not actually what he wanted on a soul level I (laughs) have another example from my own life, and this one's kind of cringy, but whatever. This is what we do. I mean, God, if you listen to this podcast every week, you must have just the lowest opinion of me because I feel like I share all of the worst things about myself, my life, my mindset, all of the worst things I've ever done on this show. So yeah, and I like to really get in there and get personal. So when the comedian and I broke up, I remember I would make manifestation lists for what I was looking for in a guy. And I'd always write that I wanted him to be famous. And I never manifested that famous boyfriend because I didn't actually want a boyfriend who was famous. I mean, I definitely wanted a boyfriend and maybe I wanted to be famous myself a little bit, but I also really wanted to show up to the comedian like you fucking douchebag Z-list celebrity with a micro penis who gaslighted me and love bombed me and literally narcissistic abused me fuck you. I'm dating someone who's so much more famous than you. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to experience. I didn't actually want a famous boyfriend, so it never happened. We see this all the time. I have a friend, Caroline, who suddenly this girl never exercised, never was into wellness or anything, which is fine. And then all of a sudden one day she's like, I want to run a marathon. And I was like, okay, good for you sick. She starts training for a marathon and stuff. And she didn't actually end up doing it. And I later after the marathon happened, I realized why all this happened. It never happened because she didn't actually want it. No part of her soul gave a shit about running an air marathon. Her ex was running the marathon that she just wanted to impress him, show him. And I think there was a lot of stuff in their relationship when they were dating about their different lifestyles. He's vegan and really into exercising and really into, you know, healthy food and healthy lifestyle and like into rock climbing and just a very active lifestyle. And Caroline is so not like that. And it really caused issues in their relationship. So I think when she saw he was running a marathon, she was like, okay, if I, there was part of her subconsciously that was like, if I run a marathon, maybe I can show him actually our lifestyles are more similar than he thinks and we'll end up back together or whatever. But it didn't end up happening for her again, because she didn't actually want it on a soul level. So that I would say is the most basic and easy to understand bucket that this can fall into. You're not manifesting the thing because you don't actually want the thing. So why would you manifest it? Now, if you believe in some kind of higher power, the universe, source energy, God, whatever label you want to assign, you could say like, okay, God or the universe or source isn't giving this thing to you because it's not aligned with what you actually want on a soul level. Or if you'd like to have a more scientific approach to this, you could say that subconsciously you're pushing this away because you don't actually want it. Whatever resonates with you more is fine. It doesn't really make a huge difference. To me, the point still stands. You're not going to get the thing if you don't actually really want the thing. The second bucket, and this is where it gets more complex and more interesting, in my opinion, at least. This is a situation where you do actually really want the thing on a deep soul level. You actually want it, but 
you are afraid of something that comes with getting the thing. Oh my God, my tummy just made the loudest sound. (laughs) I doubt that the mic picked it up, but it was kind of crazy. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Let me tell you a quick story. So as you know, I've spent a lot of my life being single, being celibate, and just really yearning for a partner. And I remember a few years ago, you know, again, after the comedian and I broke up, the number one thing that I really wanted to manifest was a partner. And I just try to figure out why it wasn't happening, why it wasn't happening. And I think there are a lot of reasons why it wasn't happening, but this is one of them. I associated marriage, long-term relationships, et cetera, with my parents' marriage because that's what you do. It's, It's the first relationship that you see, so it really sets the tone for your perception of what relationships are. And my parents' relationship is not the type of relationship that I want for many, 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 many reasons that we just truly don't have enough time for me to sit around and list here today. But one of them is the fact that, you know, they're very Middle Eastern traditional and my mom does everything around the house, everything. She does all the cooking. She does all of the cleaning. I mean, they have a cleaning lady who comes once or twice a week, so she helps out. But still, my mom's doing the day-to-day things. She's doing all the dishes. She's running the dishwasher. She's loading the dishwasher. She's emptying it. She's watering the plants. She's vacuuming. She's uh, cooking. Did I say that already? She's making the tea. She's She is doing the grocery shopping. She does everything around the house and the way my dad will not even lift a finger. Actually, the other day, someone told me that they went to my parents' house and and the gate was open and their dog ran out of the house and nearly ran away. And my dad was just sitting there watching and didn't even get up or try to help in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he literally does not lift a finger. One time when I was in high school, (laughs) in the upstairs hallway, there was a pair of boxer briefs on the floor. I'm guessing my dad's just in the middle of the hallway on the floor. And my mom, I guess, tried to do a little experiment to see if she doesn't pick it up, how long it'll be there. That shit was there for like three months. I didn't pick it up. (laughs) My dad didn't pick it up. I would literally just step over it. That is my mom's life. I mean, it's it's not an easy life. And it's something that I so desperately do not want for myself. And so when I had it imprinted, there was part of my mind that associated a long-term serious marriage type partnership with that type of lifestyle. And I was like, fuck that. I don't want to do that shit. So subconsciously, I was pushing away meeting the person because I was afraid that it would end up like that. I have a friend, Sarah, who, so Sarah is a really, really, really talented artist, like really talented. She does visual art. She does, I don't know, like watercolors or something. I don't exactly know, but she's very, very talented. And she really wants to grow this and somehow turn it into a business. And like everyone else in 2023, she recognizes that a really strong way of doing that is through Instagram and TikTok, right? So she posts her things on Instagram and on TikTok, and she's really trying to manifest, you know, having these accounts go big because really she wants to somehow be able to turn this into an actual career. And I don't think she's too married to exactly how that would look. I mean, I think she has a vision, but I I know that she just wants to make this true passion of hers something that she can live off of and can put 100% into and not have to have another day job and things like that. And that's really, really great. And it just isn't happening for her. And so I was having a conversation with her because I suspected what it could be, but I wanted her, I I wanted to really confirm. And so I start doing a little poking, pushing, prodding. And I realized that Sarah's actually really, really terrified 
of having more spotlight because she's terrified of what comes with that. She's terrified of trolls. She's terrified of being canceled. She's terrified of getting criticism. She's scared people. If there are more eyes on her art, people are going to insult her art, all of those things. So even though she does actually really, really want this, she's subconsciously pushing it away because she's afraid of what comes with it. With being seen comes criticism, comes trolls. It's, it's just a thing that happens. It's an inevitability. So she's pushing away everything altogether. Another example of something from my personal life. So when I was 22, straight out of college, I dated this guy who was a drug dealer. And and as far as I knew, he sold like Molly and um, acid, you know, just kind of fun party drugs, whatever. And we start dating and then I realize, oh, he's also selling some serious pills and some other things. And then I realize, oh, he's literally a drug addict, like he's addicted to opiates. And it was you know, I, I knew I shouldn't be in that situation. I knew I didn't approve of opiates. I knew all of these things, yet I was so enamored by him and I was so codependent and I was so anxiously attached, all of those things that once I was into him, I didn't even care how fucking toxic this was. And it got really, really messy in my life. And after that, I ended up not dating for such a long time because I had an association in my head that me falling for someone meant that I would sacrifice all of my morals and ethics and my uh, moral compass and you know where I stand I thought that I would completely lose myself because I just watched that happen and so when I wasn't meeting anyone it's because I was pushing away meeting anyone that I'd be really really into because I was afraid that this would happen again so I did want to be with someone I just thought being with someone came with me potentially fully losing myself and so I was pushing it away so if the thing that you're trying to manifest comes with something that feels unsafe. You might be subconsciously pushing it away because you don't want to feel unsafe, right? Makes perfect sense. The third and last bucket is you actually really, really want the thing. You, you know, on a soul level, deep down in every single way, you actually really, really want it but you're so afraid of losing it that you are afraid of even getting it because you don't want to deal with the pain of potentially losing it. And this often happens when you have lost things like this before, and so you are a bit traumatized by that, right? I have this friend Cassidy who went through such a bad breakup. I mean, it was so brutal. It took her months and months. I mean, for a month, this girl could barely eat and it took her months and months and months to really accept that it was over, that it was done. And I mean, I I think it probably took her a full year to actually start really getting over it. And now she really wants to meet someone. She really wants to manifest that type of love, that type of partnership, but it isn't happening. And again, I, in researching this episode, was doing some poking and prodding with her. And I realized what's beneath all this is she's so terrified of going through pain like that. That breakup for her was so traumatic. It was so difficult. It was so upsetting that, I mean, once she regained her appetite, this bitch was just on the floor crying, eating brownies for months two and three. By the way, speaking of brownies, I had a dream last night that I was making brownies. Maybe it was something else. No, 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 no. There was something with cinnamon. Oh my God, cinnamon rolls. Hold on. It's I'm unpacking it. It's kind of starting to come back to me. But then I I needed cinnamon rolls. So when I was going to get cinnamon rolls, I think they were also selling chocolate chip cookies and brownies, both of which are mm, elite chef's kiss. I'm not going to do the hand motions. Uh, 
what was I trying to do with the cinnamon rolls though? Because it wasn't, I wasn't just going to eat the cinnamon roll. I was going to do something with it, make some kind of dessert with it. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. Mm, I'm getting kind of hungry. Okay, uh, moving right along. Cassidy's breakup was awful. And so even though she really wants to meet someone, she's subconsciously pushing it away because her brain is like, bitch, we're not doing that again. We nearly died. Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to put myself in that situation again? I didn't even want to do it the first time. We barely made it out alive. We're not doing that shit again. So of course, she's subconsciously pushing it away. Another example, I dated this guy, we call him Philly on the podcast, and it was a great relationship in many ways. It was really toxic in many ways. And when we broke up, it was really, really hard on me for a lot of reasons. And after that is when I was celibate for seven years. And frankly, this was actually, it goes hand in hand for me with the other thing I was talking about where I didn't really trust myself. But after that, I was celibate for seven years because I was afraid of finding someone again. I was afraid of losing myself the way I did. And I was also afraid of that terrible, messy breakup. I mean, when we broke up, it was so bad. I, and not in a mental, emotional way for me, it was actually in a very different way. I would keep trying to break up with him and he wouldn't accept it. And finally I called his parents and I was like, you have to come get him. Like he literally will not leave. He's squatting in my apartment and his parents showed up and the way that he fully lost it, ran away. He smashed all, like he broke every bit of glass that he could. I was covered in bruises for weeks because he was just throwing shit at me and like pulling and pushing me. I mean, it was such, and then I was terrified because he ran away and then later showed up and like was with my dog and essentially holding her hostage. It was a very messy, very complicated situation. But I mean, I was, I was literally terrified and I was 23 when all this happened, by the way. So yeah, After that, I was celibate for seven years, as one might be, because that shit is fucking scary. And I think that fear of losing something can sometimes look a bit different. I think sometimes when you subconsciously don't think you're good enough for the thing you also are going to be too afraid to lose the thing to be able to manifest the thing. So for example, when I really wanted a boyfriend who was like really cool and really funny and just one of those people who everyone loves, just kind of, you know, the person who like couldn't be hated, that's always what I wanted. And I do actually have that in Aussie now, but I had to do a lot of work because I didn't actually think I was worthy of that type of person because I'm never someone who everyone loves. I'm divisive as fuck. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was just like a universal pleaser, but no, I'm a fucking cunt half the times. And listen, I'm trying to be less irritable. And I do think that irritability actually comes from low grade depression, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But... By the way, my mouth just made the weirdest sound when I inhaled. I think my tongue vibrated against my lip and it kind of almost made a farting sound. It was kind of cool. But yeah, anyway, (laughs) I didn't actually think that I was worthy or good enough of someone like that. And quite frankly, a lot of the reason why I really wanted it was to prove to myself that I actually was good enough for that type of thing. But it actually works in the opposite order. If you get the thing when you don't actually think that you're good enough for the thing, you would live in constant disbelief and fear. You wouldn't believe that it's real and you would constantly be afraid of losing it. And quite frankly, you might even end up self-sabotaging as a way of alleviating the anxiety that you feel. But once you actually subconsciously believe that you're good enough for the thing, then all of these problems go away and you can actually get 
the thing, if that makes sense. So if fear of losing the manifestation is so strong, you might be subconsciously pushing it away because you don't want to risk being hurt like that again. So whichever of these three buckets you fall into, either it's that you actually on a soul level don't really want this thing, or it's that you're pushing it away because you are afraid of something that comes with the thing or that you think comes with the thing, whether it does come with the thing in actuality or not is kind of unrelated because it's all about your subconscious beliefs or you are so afraid of losing the thing subconsciously you are pushing this thing away. And so even though you think you really, really want it, there's some level where you don't actually want it and that's why you don't actually have it. So I want to do a few case studies where we unpack this, although it would be so fun. I wish I had examples from your guys' lives that we could unpack together. And if this is really interesting to you and if the wheels are turning for you right now and you're like, huh, how does this apply to my situation? Please comment the thing that you're trying to manifest in the reviews, or if you're listening on Spotify, there's a place where you can leave comments, but drop them below and we can, I can do a part two to this episode where I take your examples and unpack them with you. So that's just something fun that we could do maybe at some point, or you could also leave a voicemail by the way, and give me as much detail as you can. And we'll kind of unpack it together. Okay, so I have a friend named Carrie who has a pattern of being interested in people who are unavailable. So she'll either be interested in people who are in relationships, people who live far away, people who are very, very, very newly single but still have a lot of baggage over old relationships, people who are just not ready for connection, people who are emotionally avoidant, all of those things. Those are the only types of people that she ever becomes interested in. And what's interesting is a lot of people will be interested in her, but she's never interested in those people. She's only interested in people who don't actually seem to be into her. And so she's like, why can I not manifest love? And she uncovers this. And so we start unpacking it together and realize that A, her association with relationships like everyone else is her parents' relationship and her parents' relationship seems kind of loveless. So she associates being in a relationship as being trapped in something that she doesn't actually want, right? She wants a very passionate, romantic, you know, fueling, exciting, sparky type of love. And she sees her parents who are never affectionate with each other. And she's like, well, I don't want that. So she's subconsciously pushing it away. That's category two right there. That's kind of easy to see. She also said that her parents were never really super affectionate with her. Now they were, I mean, they obviously really, really loved her and, you know, weren't abusive or anything. It's just, they're not terribly affectionate people. So they never showed a tremendous amount of affection for her. So we realized that she's actually kind of seeking a corrective experience by seeking out these people who are not available to be into her for whatever reason. And a corrective experience, by the way, if you're not familiar, is when you re-expose yourself to the same situation, hoping to have an opposite outcome. It's something that we do, whether consciously in a really healthy way or unconsciously. And when it happens unconsciously, it's often in an unhealthy way. So an example of a really healthy way is, let's say, Travis Barker got, by the way, did you see um, Kourtney Kardashian is pregnant. We love that for her. She's 44 years old, amazing mazel, uh, all the world of congratulations. And she's been so open about everything that they've tried in order to conceive and how it's failed. But she announced her pregnancy in the chicest, coolest way. She recreated this scene from 
a Blink-182 music video. I can't remember which music video it is, but in the video, they're performing. And in the crowd, there is like a thotty girl holding up a sign that says, Travis, I'm pregnant. And she's jumping up and down with a sign. So Courtney did this at a Blink-182 show recently, I guess over the weekend or something. And that's how she announced her pregnancy. So cute. So chic. Love that so much for her. And congratulations to the happy couple. Anyway, moving right along. So Travis Barker was famously in a really bad plane crash and he did survive, but he had severe PTSD from it and never flew again until he started dating Courtney. And in the beginning of their relationship, he wasn't flying, but then eventually he ended up flying with her. That was a corrective experience. He exposed himself to the same stimulus, but this time got a different outcome, and that really helped him acquiesce his fear of flying. So that's kind of a healthy way we see it. But there are a lot of ways in which this plays out without we're even us being consciously aware of it that can look really toxic. For example, you see this in people, let's say, straight women who grew up with very, very angry dads. They're often subconsciously seeking out very angry men to date and trying to have a healthy and calm relationship with them because they're trying to do the opposite of what they experienced with their dads, which was chaos and uncertainty and unpredictability. But in that situation, it doesn't really tend to work. So my friend Carrie is seeking to have this corrective experience. She had these parents who weren't terribly affectionate with her, who wouldn't show her love in the way that she wanted love. And so she is subconsciously seeking out other people who are not being super affectionate with her because, you know, they're not actually available for romance for whatever reason. And she's kind of subconsciously hoping to turn them around and make them love her the way that she she wanted her parents to love her. So in this scenario, she doesn't actually want an aloof partner. What she's actually trying to manifest is a corrective experience. So this is kind of a interesting manifestation of the first category. She doesn't actually want it. And so it's not happening. She's actually wanting a corrective experience. And she also has an element of the third bucket here because she is also really, really afraid of manifesting this person in her life and then it falling apart. And that's because of a really bad breakup that she had also. But so she is constantly finding people who can't actually commit, who can't actually show up because you can't lose something that you never had. She seeks out people who can't commit. No commitment equals no risk of losing. Okay, kind of an easy example to follow completely different example for us to kind of workshop and pull through is I have this friend Chris who is a like fitness and bodybuilding type coach I think he does some actual training like 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 in weight rooms training and stuff, but he also coaches you through a lot more things. So how to prep for competitions, meal plans, even mindset things around uh, surrounding that, things like that. And he's building his business on social media again, like everyone else does in 2023. And he really is such like a charismatic, interesting guy. He's really, really funny. He makes a lot of reels and TikToks and things like that to promote himself. And a lot of them are actually really, really funny. And he he has a few clients and, you know, his social media presence grows a little here and there, things like that, but not quite at the level that he should have just based on how talented he is and not at the level that he actually wants. And so we were talking about it and he's like, I feel like I try so hard. I'm constantly hustling. I'm constantly posting things. I'm constantly putting myself out there, but I'm not actually getting the type of success that I want. What do you think is going on? And so we unpacked this together and there were a few things that came up. 
Number one, he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said that every time he posts a TikTok that gets over like 100,000 views or something, his chest starts to feel tight. And I said, okay, well, why is that? And he's like, because when there's more eyeballs, there's more room for criticism. There's trolls. There's people insulting this. There's people insulting that. But there's also the people who think they're geniuses and are critiquing his form or saying, no, you're wrong or just challenging him every step of the way. And he fucking hates that shit. He hates dealing with that shit. So that became a very quick, easy to connect category too. He wants his TikToks to do well. He wants his social media presence to grow, but he's also afraid of the things that accompany that, which includes trolls. And in this case, this is a very real thing that does actually accompany that. But then, so there was that, and that could have been the end of the story, but we kept talking, we kept pushing. And one thing that was interesting to me was I was like, you know, you're so funny. It's so interesting to me because we don't see humor mixed in wellness a lot, right? This podcast is one of the only examples of that that I ever see where, you know, she's so funny. I'm just kidding. But, um, there is kind of a lighter, more relatable, more funny element to it while talking about these deeper, more wellnessy type of subjects. And so I'm poking, I'm prodding with him and something clicks. Chris really does want to be seen. Chris really does want to grow his platform. Chris really does kind of want to be famous, Insta famous, TikTok famous, all of those things. But he wants to be seen and recognized for comedy, not for wellness, not for exercising, not for fitness, not for bodybuilding. He wants it for comedy, but he's afraid of putting himself out there under the comedy umbrella. So he's pursuing it under this fitness and bodybuilding umbrella, but it's not growing the way that he wants because it's not what he actually wants. He doesn't actually want to be this world-renowned bodybuilding coach or expert. He wants to be a fucking comedian. He wants to be a touring comedian. That's what he actually wants. So, so long as he pursues fame and notoriety for this wrong premise, for this wrong reason, I'm not wrong reason, but you know, through this wrong reason, it's not actually going to happen to him. He's going to have to face the fact that he actually really wants to be a comedian. And then I bet things will really start to take off for him. So that's an example of a category one. He doesn't actually want that thing. Okay, the last kind of story that I want to workshop together is my friend Sheila. Sheila is 41, I believe. She's been single since she was 26, 27. For the most part, she may have had a couple of boyfriends here and there for a few months. She's been very, very active on dating apps, at least the entire time I've known her. I've known her for over five years now, and she's always been so active on dating apps, like in a very admirable kind of way. She's on a few apps. She's messaging all the time. She goes on dates quite regularly. Now, Sheila got married straight out of college. They were married for a few years and then they got divorced. They did not have kids and she's 41. She really, really wants to remarry. She really, really, really wants to have kids. And so she feels a lot of pressure to meet her person and remarry sooner because she's 41. It's a very real thing. So Sheila was interesting for me because she is so active and goes on so many dates. I was like, why is this not happening for you? Statistically, it should have happened already. So we start talking, we start unpacking her situation. And the first thing that comes up very quickly is that she's terrified of getting divorced again, especially if she were to have kids this time. I mean, the one thing she's grateful for from her divorce was that they had no kids. That at least made it easier. But 
it was a very messy, very difficult divorce. And I don't even think on the grand scheme of things, it was that messy of a divorce. I think it's just that divorce can be really, really, really difficult. It took them over a year to separate their assets. And again, they were in their 20s. They barely had shit. They did own a place together, though, and selling that and figuring out the percentages and just all the legalese. And again, it wasn't even that contentious of a divorce and they barely had things. So that definitely made it easier. Nevertheless, all of this was enough to make her be so afraid of losing the thing again. So that's a good example of the category three. But there were more layers to this for her. So we start talking more and more and we talk a lot about her marriage, which was kind of the one real relationship that she's had as an adult. And the guy that she was married to would put her down a lot. He would just kind of say really rude, nasty things. He also had two or three sisters who were absolutely awful to Sheila, awful to her, constantly fighting, constantly chiming in on their relationship, just constantly causing problems for her. And so I realized that she's just afraid of being in a bad relationship again. And with her ex-husband, everything started so good. It wasn't until after they were married that he was starting to abuse her. It wasn't until after they were married that his sisters were in the picture so much. And so to her, she is this association where the beginning of a relationship can be well and good, but then you can be blindsided by these awful things that can happen to you. And so she is subconsciously pushing away a relationship because she's afraid of the things that might accompany it. So a very clear category too. And so it could have, that could have been the end of the story, but we keep talking, we keep pushing. And I realized that Sheila, again, is actively going on dates a lot and meeting guys and kind of, you know, having sex, having fun, all of these things. And so we keep talking, we keep talking. And she mentioned that she, in her teens and 20s, didn't really get to date a lot. I mean, she met she had one boyfriend in high school and then in college, the first guy that she started dating, she got married to right after college. They were married until her later 20s and she never got to date around. She never got to go to the club and go home with the guy. She never got to make dating mistakes. She never got to really have her heart broken in that kind of way and sit by the phone and be like, oh my God, is he going to text? Is he going to text? And all of those things. She didn't go through those experiences And something clicked as we kept talking about it. Sheila doesn't actually want to be married right now. Sheila doesn't actually want to be in a very serious relationship right now. What Sheila wants is the experience of dating around and making mistakes and having sex and being unsure and all of those kind of rites of passages that she didn't get to have in her 20s. The only reason that Sheila thinks that she wants to get married and have uh, wants to get married right away is because she's afraid she's going to lose the opportunity to have kids because of biology. Which again, I just want to remind you, Kourtney Kardashian is pregnant at 44. It does happen all the time. But she doesn't actually want the thing. What she wants on a soul level is completely different right now. So what I told Sheila was, why don't you just lean into being single and having fun and having these experiences for now until you and just put like if you knew for a fact that you could have kids up until age 70, would you want to settle down right now? And she was like, fuck no. And I was like, okay, then put it out of your head for a year. A year isn't going to make a huge difference and see when it actually changes for you. So Sheila is an example of someone who falls into all three of the categories with the same thing. But for you, you could just fall into one of the categories, two of the categories. Like my friend Chris, he had a category one in a category two, but not a category three. He wasn't afraid of losing the thing. But Sheila here falls into all of the categories. Again, it can be all over the place. But if you are really trying to manifest something and you've been at it for a while and you're doing all the things and it's not happening, I'd be willing to bet that on some level you are pushing it away because either on a soul level you don't want it or you're afraid of something that it comes with or that you think it comes with or 
that you're afraid of losing the thing. Amazing. Life-changing, right? Did I just change your fucking life? Yes, I think I did. No, in all seriousness, though, this tracks, right? It makes perfect fucking sense, doesn't it? And again, I want you guys, if you're interested in this, submit your situations to me and let's unpack it together on the podcast. Okay, now you might be listening and you're like, okay, what do I do about this? And obviously, this is assuming that you actually know your situation and where you fall into. Well, if you fall into a category one where you don't actually want it, you want to start getting really clear about what you do want and what you don't want. So for everyone, even if you're unsure if you fall into this category, I want you to immediately, for the thing that you're trying to manifest, ask yourself why you want this thing and then keep asking why. I usually say ask why five times. And if you are trying to manifest something where you have a list of all the attributes, like it's a partner, right? So you have a list of all these things that you're looking for in a partner, for every single thing on that list, ask yourself why five times. If you're trying to manifest a house, an apartment, and you have a list, you know, I want it to have a blue door and I want it to have a, a gas stove, but an electric oven. And I want um, a standalone freezer and I want there to be three floors and I want there to be a backyard. Why? Why do you want a backyard? I want to have barbecues. Why do you want to have barbecues? I love socializing outdoors. Why do you love socializing outdoors? Well, I really love being around people that I love and I love getting the sunshine and I love, uh, you know, I love eating, dining al fresco and I love uh, the grill marks on food. I mean, just keep asking yourself why until you either come to kind of something that's truly deeply within your soul, or you'll see that there's actually a totally different reason, right? Maybe you want a backyard because you realize your friend Nancy just bought a house and it has no backyard and you want to one up your friend Nancy by having a backyard. Okay, that's not actually a deep soul desire, you know. I can guarantee your soul gives zero fucks about Nancy <laughs> versus the other situation where it sounds like your soul actually really loves the idea of, you know, twinkle lights up in the backyard and just laughter and, you know, holding a glass of wine and giggling with your friends while you feel the cool breeze on your skin and you feel the vitamin D absorbing through your pores and you feel the night mist and whatever you get the idea, right? So keep asking yourself why. Specifically, if you're trying to manifest a partner and you have a list of traits that you're looking for in them, ask yourself if each of these traits is something that you truly want in a partner or is this something that you wish you had yourself? Because I will say 95 3% of the time or 93% of what we think we want in a partner is actually things that we want in ourselves. But for whatever reason, we don't think that it's possible to have that thing ourselves. So an example was when I was trying to manifest a famous boyfriend, what I really wanted was to be low-key famous myself. Now, not like famous, 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 like an A-list level, but I'd like to be influencer level famous, right? That's what I want for myself. I didn't actually want it in a partner. Um, when I wanted a really, really cool partner, I really wanted the validation of someone like that liking me because it would mean that I'm cool. But I didn't, it's not, you know, how much should I actually care if this was person was cool or not. Things like that happen all the fucking time. So if with a partner manifestation list, really see how much of that it's you actually want. I see this a lot with women trying to manifest wealthy dudes I'd say 99% of these women just want to be wealthy and they think the easiest way to get wealth is through a relationship because they don't believe that they could create it themselves. But if actually given the option of you yourself being a millionaire versus being married to a millionaire, almost all of them would choose they themselves being the millionaire. They just don't think that they can get there on their own. So that's for a partnership list. And then in general, if you know that you're kind of in this bucket, 
I want you to really get in touch with yourself. Spend time in nature. Spend time disconnecting. Start doing morning pages. Morning pages is this practice out of Julie Cameron's book, The Artist Way. But all that you do is every morning write three pages front to back stream of consciousness. And there's really not a ton of purpose in doing this in terms of I don't think what's going to be on the pages is going to be the most insightful, deep things. It just kind of helps you brain dump everything that's rattling around in there so that you're more clear throughout the days but throughout the day but when you're stream of consciousness journaling you'd be surprised once in a blue moon something really interesting will come out and it really is a way of connecting with yourself and your soul and your soul's desire more meditation is also great with that and truly spending time alone i'd recommend if you fall into this camp maybe go on a solo trip just spend a lot of time reconnecting with who you are authentically as a human being now if you're in the second bucket you really want the thing, but you're afraid of something that it comes with. Uh, This is going to be an annoying answer, but you really have to do trauma reprocessing. Like figure out what exactly do you think comes with this thing? So maybe, you know, going back to my example with the relationship, I thought that with a long-term marriage type relationship comes the woman being trapped inside the house and doing everything and the man running around free and living his best life, right? Why is that scary to me? Well, that's just not the type of life that I want. I want to be prominent. I want to be out in the world. I want to have my own career. I want to do all of the things, right? So that's why it's scary for me. So how did I work through that? Well, A, I use trauma reprocessing tools to kind of neutralize the emotional intensity of times where I have seen my mom do everything and my dad do nothing. And it was really traumatic for me. But then I also did a lot of inner child work where I visualized having very progressive parents. Sometimes um, I'd have my dad be a stay-at-home dad who did everything around the house. And my mom, you know, had this big career and dad was supporting her big career. And so I would, in a deep meditative state, um, actually, I'd use the TBM inner child workshop for this. And it takes you through every stage of your childhood. And I would visualize growing up with parents like that. Because again, when you visualize something in a deep hypnotic state, your brain experiences it as though it actually happened. So now my brain has these new neural pathways of a marriage looks like having a man inside the home supporting the women's woman's career and doing everything for her. And then boom, I find a man who actually does treat me like that. I mean, for the past, up until last week, but since the beginning of May, Ozzy has been back in New York and not working. And he's just been doing everything to support me. He's been doing so much around the house. He's been doing so much with the dog. And he's literally helped me with my reels, my TikToks, my editing, bounced ideas off of me, whatever. I mean, he's been there supporting me in every single way. How did I manifest that? By telling my brain that it's possible, by showing my brain that it's possible in that deep hypnotic state through doing that inner child work. So whatever you are afraid afraid of accompanying the thing. And by the way, this isn't even a real thing. Like it's not all relationships aren't like that. So I just had it from my own trauma. But sometimes there are things that you're afraid of. Like, for example, my friend Chris, who's afraid of the trolls, if he were to blow up bigger or, you know, other people I've talked about who are kind of afraid of being seen. Well, that's a really big, real thing. Trolls do happen, but you want to unpack, okay, why am I so afraid of trolls? What could a troll say to me that would invalidate my existence and my experience as a human being, because I think you should be able to, you know, uh, like, is it annoying? Yes, I get trolls all the time, especially on TikTok. And is it annoying? Of course. But I had this moment the other day where I remember 
I posted some kind of TikTok about something and then all these people were like, you're victim blaming and you're victim shaming. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't victim blaming or victim shaming. But we live in an outrage culture where people are just ready to snap for any fucking reason and they will take something that you said, twist it into something that you didn't say and then get mad about that. And I remember thinking, if that's what you want to do, go off, sis. This is not my problem and I'm going to waste no energy even acknowledging this right now. And I'm not participating in outrage culture anymore, but it's taken a lot of inner work for me to get here. So if your thing that you're afraid of is something that does actually exist in reality, figure out why you're so afraid of this thing and do the work around that. And if you're in the third bucket where you really, really want this thing, but you're afraid of losing it again, you're going to have to do trauma reprocessing work. So you need to think about why you think you're going to lose it and why you why that would be such a bad thing. Like when I went through the breakup with the Philly guy, which was so traumatic and stuff, it was hard for a number of reasons. A, because it was so messy at the time. I mean, physically messy. There was broken glass everywhere. It was, you know, emotionally, mentally messy, uh, all those things. And then on top of that, I had deep anxious attachment. So I had to really work through my attachment wounds and deal with being single again. But you know, all those things. I had to do a lot of like trauma reprocessing around that event, that incident itself, that relationship, how I lost myself. I was dating someone who was really dealing with a lot mentally and everything that he put me through as a result of that. So yeah, like every fucking episode, the takeaway here is you're going to have to do trauma reprocessing work. And that's that. Thank you so much for listening. Um, No, seriously though, thank you so much for listening. I was... I had a completely different episode planned for you guys for this week, but once I was talking to Caitlin and all of this clicked, I was like, holy shit, this is the most important thing and I have to share this. So I'm so curious, what are some things that you were trying to manifest right now and why do you think that you don't have it yet? In what way are you pushing it away for which of these three reasons? And if you're unsure, just tell me what your situation is. Leave it in a review below and we will workshop it together. Okay. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Per usual rate, review, subscribe. We are doing our June giveaway. So at the end of June, I'm going to go through all of the reviews on iTunes and randomly select someone who will win a six-month membership to the Blush Academy where there are so many trauma reprocessing tools and inner child tools and so many other things for attachment stuff, for breakups. I mean, if you even if you went through a really bad breakup a few years ago and you realize that that's what's preventing you from meeting someone new. Do do the breakup course. Even if it's been years, do the breakup course. It'll help you gain so much from that experience. So yeah, the way that you enter the giveaway is just leave a review and either leave your Instagram handle in the review or screenshot the review and email it to me, theblushpod at gmail.com. At the end of the month, I'll randomly select a winner and contact you and give you all the information so you can get the six-month membership for free. Okay. Love you guys. Talk next week. And don't forget, submit your situations if you want me to workshop it with you. Bye.